I mean, so. Buffalo Trace had oof, over 350,000 people last year in 2021. They're hitting over 2,000 people a day at some points. I mean, it's it's bonkers. You should wait wait for the two or secondary market just really explode before you know it. <laughs> it's gonna be NFTs. For those. Oh, I was gonna <laughs> say NFTs. <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. Well, today it's Bourbon Community Roundtable number 65. And here's what we have on the topic list. So Heaven Hill acquires Samson and Surrey, but what is the motive and what does that mean for brands like Few Spirits and Widow Jane? Wes Henderson has also announced his retirement from Angel's Envy. We also know that Fred No is planning on retiring soon. Then Eddie Russell will likely retire when Jimmy isn't around. So what happens when the face of a brand ends up leaving? And there's also been a huge surge of updates to distilleries in the past year during the pandemic. So now, a few years later, what is your top place to recommend to visitors when they visit Kentucky? With that, enjoy today's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. Uh, this week's idea comes from Will Breeden, uh, or AM Physics on Twitter, who writes me, Are there any things you can do or exercises you can perform post-COVID to help you get your palate back? All bourbon, just smells and tastes blah. Well, man, um, I'm, I hope you're recovering, Will. I, I really do. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of scientific stuff of uh, studies being worked on right now to help people with their nose and taste and the one thing that I I have learned is that people who are are having these issues with with tasting um, they can still feel they still feel uh, the depth of something on their tongue they just can't taste it so I would encourage you to begin to map your tongue in terms of where you are tasting something or where where you feel it on your tongue. If you are tasting a bourbon, you feel the impact on the middle, keep focusing on that. Keep focusing on the part where it's hitting in the middle. And then go eat something and focus on what part of the tongue is it hitting? What what Where on the tongue is it really populating? And when you can take uh, what you have been eating and you're seeing it on the uh, populating on your tongue, you can then uh, see how it feels with the whiskey, and then see if it's the same flavor. You have to you have to basically to start trying to reprogram your memory. If you can use your mindfulness technique here on your tongue to think about what you're tasting at the time you're tasting it, maybe it can help you bring it back. But I, I wish I had a better better solution for you, and I'm sorry that this has happened to you and so many other people. But uh, you just 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 keep trying. Just keep trying. Don't give up. And, you know, when you find your solution, what works for you, share it. Let us know. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week on Above the Char. Uh, if you would like to be like Will, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just let me know your idea, and if I like it, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. 
From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome, everybody. We are back with the 65th Bourbon Community Roundtable. The whole crew is here except for our lawyer, so don't ask any legal questions because then it's just bad advice after this. But at least on the Bourbon Pursuit crew, we got our our, our team here. So myself, Kenny, and as well as Ryan and Fred. Fellas, how's it going? Hey, yo. What up? Excited? Ready to dive into yeah. some, some new topics? Some stuff? Yeah, I mean, the first one is like, um, you know, it, it kind of coincides with the last roundtable with the prediction of a big acquisition coming up. And right, we start the year with the big one. Isn't it funny? I think every year for a prediction, we're always like, ah, who's going to get swooped up this year? It always it always yeah. happens and we never get it correct. <laughs> That's right. Not even close. Not but, you even know, close. it's uh, it, you also it's the mindset of people what, when they sell, why they want to sell, what's the right number. You know, it's this one is this one's very fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I can't wait to dive into it. But before we do that, let's go ahead and give the other guys a chance to introduce themselves. So we'll go to the man who always has some good microphone and webcam issues before we start. So Blake, how's it going, buddy? Doing well. Yeah, happy to be here. Got some really good topics. So I'm I'm excited. This is not one I saw coming, although um I guess from a total brand perspective, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah. <laughs> we'll I, get it. Might introduce myself or we yeah, yeah, in there. Yeah, so. we're not we're not Okay, as, Blake as John Bourbon as John said box. earlier, we've uh, only had sixty five ta- roundtables to practice this so far, so we're getting I don't better. Know. There was like <laughs> there was like one episode where you said, "Okay, we're not doing intros at the beginning," and just uh, a little, a so, little. Happy to be here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we got Jordan from Breaking. What's up, man? Uh, how's it going, guys? This is Jordan, one of the three fellows from uh, BreakingBourbon.com. All your all your review needs when you're standing in the liquor store figuring out what to buy. Yes, 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 yes. So let's go ahead and we will dive into it. So the first one is Heaven Hill acquires Samson and Surrey. Now, part of this deal was, and I think this is the thing that we we don't, this is actually the unfortunate thing is Heaven Hill being a private company. We have no idea how much they were acquired for, but they did acquire uh, a few different premium brands as a part of this category. And really the ones I think that we care about are going to be Few Spirits, and Widow Jane, because that's going to be bourbon and whiskey portfolio. So it's really good to see that the acquisition cycle is is still happening. That means people have money, so people are spending it. That's good. Now I kind of want to roll this back and let's let's start talking about like before we you know talk about the brands or anything like that. I kind of want to put it out there. Like, is this a good acquisition? Like this was something that I think Ryan and I we talked about on a this week in bourbon. We try to make sure that people understand that. Bourbon and whiskey is just a very small portion of the Heaven Hill brand's portfolio. So you always got to mm-hmm. keep that in perspective. But when you start looking at what they did acquire, uh, I kind of want to get your all's, your all's take on this one. Because for me, I, it was kind of out of left field. It may have been one that the price was right and they had some brand recognition. They had a, you know some footprint everywhere. But the other thing that was kind of different is that they said, you know, they're still going to operate pretty much independently, but under the Heaven Hill brand's umbrella. But I kind of want to get your all's takes on this, and whoever wants to jump in can. Yeah, I've been I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this one. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's like, know. here I'll go <laughs> first. Then <laughs> let me. Uh... <laughs> How fast I hit this buzzer? This I, is... I wasn't I wasn't even going to try. I knew Fred was going to take that. I, one. you know, I, you know, I was all over this one. This is I... this is all about the agave spirits in the deal. Uh, 
So Heaven Hill has slowly been building a, a portfolio of tequila. Uh, they got Luna Azul, which is a pretty decent tequila that's out there in retail. You know, it's not my favorite, but, you know, it, it'll get the job done in a, in a margarita. They got Two Fingers Tequila. They also, in like in the budget circles, they have a Heaven Hill Tequila. And but what they didn't have is they didn't have like a bartender's like favorite and tequila Ocho is uh, is the number two best selling um, tequila, it, according to Drinks International, in, in the past couple of years, uh, only behind uh, Don Julio, and this is their very first mezcal uh, to get. So they got uh, mezcal Vega, and that's that's the first uh, uh, Vega. That's the first uh, te- uh, mezcal they've gotten in their portfolio. And, you know, Mezcal is expected to grow 50% by volume uh, by 2025. It continues to have, you know, 15 to 25% sales increases year after year. And if you are a, a large spirits company and you don't have a Mezcal in your portfolio right now, you're looking around to see where you can where you can buy one. And like they're they're taking a firm stance in the in the agave sector. Um, I think the whiskeys are just kind of like thrown in there. Widow Jane is a is a very strong is a very strong brand. So I mean that will fit nicely. But make no doubts about it. This was about the agave spirits. I like that take only because what Discus released their report this past week, or maybe it was even further of something else that came out that said basically tequila and mezcal has grown 30% since the previous year. That's way more than whiskey and any other spirit combined. And so it is interesting to see exactly how big this category is growing. And maybe we'll talk about that, what that means here in a little bit for us bourbon geeks to say, Hey, maybe people start going to tequila and start, start well, leaving I, our stags alone. I mean, Fred spot on tequila is now overtaking vodka as the as the most bought consumer brand so that was, that was part of that study that was released too right so tequila's hot i think it's one of those things where we get really sucked in the bourbon world everyone sees vodka but man boy people are on a tequila tear and it seems like covid just accelerated that mezcal is a huge part of that and um yeah, yeah fred spot on this is exactly what this acquisition was for I'll, I'll differ a little bit. I, I, I think the tequila is a big part of it, but I think it just fit the platform as a whole because what are some of the other things that they have? Um, isn't there the, the Bryn whiskey, the blue coach? And I, I think it, it was just a packaged up portfolio and maybe that should be leading some of our discussions of, you know, we all like to guess that, it, Oh, it's going to be barrel. It's going to be smoke wagon that gets acquired. And, and really what maybe some of these big conglomerates are looking for is, a full portfolio acquisition that they know that they can just turn key, ship it out to all their distributors, all their different accounts. And it, and it scales really quick overnight, you know, cause I've mentioned this before, but if you do the heaven Hill bottling tour, like you may see three cases of bourbon on your way, walking through this, you know, million square foot warehouse, but in total, it's all these clear spirits, cordials, you know, flavored whiskeys or rums, flavored vodkas. Um, so, so I think that's that's kind of the route that they saw with this is uh, really all five of those brands in that portfolio are strong. Um, and so it was probably a good acquisition. Obviously, I'm curious as to how much it was for, but that could be the blueprint moving forward. You know, it's not just about building one. It's about building multiple at the same time. Yeah, you saw them do this with um, when vodka and flavored vodkas were hot. You know, they had Burnett's, which was kind of like a, you know, lower tier shelf item. And then they bought purchased Deep Eddy, you know, to kind of get the premiumization in that category. And so they're kind of doing the same thing with the tequila side. Yeah, it's, it's still just interesting because um, I'm still just trying to wrap my head around this one. <laughs> it's like, I guess they just want the biggest label room of any company out there it's like that's all, <laughs> all i can i can they have a lot it's like they've already got all these categories pretty you know they already have like pretty good brands in those so uh i'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it but you know i mean obviously maybe the you, you never know what the situation the surrey guys were in they you know it's it's hard to scale and grow companies and maybe they need cash and they were just like hey you know here's a great price we'll take to get walk away from this and you yeah. know we've got some great brands here that you all can probably just elevate, you know, on your own. And so, uh, you know, maybe it's a win, you know, a win-win from that side, but yeah, definitely kind of shocked, uh, did, did not see this one coming at all. 
So the one thing that I want to touch on with Blake's is talking about this sort of package deal and, and uh, portfolio things. The one thing that is a little bit different here, and I, I get the idea of wanting to do a package thing, but I also get the idea that if you are Heaven Hill or if you're the likes of Constellation or somebody else, like you want to buy somebody cheap. And usually when you're buying, you're doing an acquisition is you want to get it early before they get too big. For some of these brands, I mean, you know, Freddie, you're talking about uh, the Ocho, you talk about their Mezcal. And of course, Widow Jane is maybe, I mean, it's pretty well known amongst us and, and the whiskey realm and the bourbon realm, but usually you want to kind of swoop in and get some of these brands before they're well-known because you get sort of a less multiplier on the, those acquisitions and stuff like that. So I did think it was a little interesting to say, you know, like, where do you go and how do you find something for there? But to kind of go back to what Blake was saying as well is like when you say, oh, like, why isn't it a barrel or why isn't it a smoke wagon? I mean, I think the one thing that you understand is that barrel smoke wagon, a lot of these NDPs and these independent bottlers, like the valuations of where they're at right now is extremely high because they all have upwards of 10,000 barrels in inventory. They're doing, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you how many, you know, case sales they're doing per year. And so if you want to acquire them, you're not going to do it at the market value, but you're going to do it at a multiplier. And for a lot of acquisitions, that might not make sense right away. And so it's really hard to try to figure out exactly how do you pick something that's not an emerging brand, but something that's already established because these brands seemed a little bit already established. And if you're trying to buy something up, you kind of want to get it cheap and you kind of want to find those things that are still trying to make their way out to market. Well, I think that goes, so that, that does go back to Fred's point though, a little bit. They wanted something or one or two things bad in this portfolio and they knew it as they were selling it. And they said, all right, you want, you want, we'll take tequila, right? Cause they certainly weren't doing this for a few whiskey. You want our tequila brand, you want our mezcal brand, sure. But then you have to take these others off our hands too because we don't want to be running this business that just has the non-leaders left, right? And that's exactly probably what happened. You see the lot in m deals too. So it was a package deal for a reason. They, they want an out. I yeah, mean, I mean, you say these are well-known brands. I've never heard of Ocho Tequila. So, I mean, that's, you know, and I'm in, I'm in the spirits game. And so it's... Uh, no, you're in the whiskey game. Don't well, whiskey wrong. game. It, it is pursuit spirits. We have rum in age. We have ten barrels. It doesn't we even count. Barrel. I know. I'm kidding. Oh, where's your? Where's your, what's your rum? We'll get uh, to that another day. Yeah, Venezuela. It's 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 sitting in barrels right now from our first United run, and we don't know what the hell we're going to do with it yet. Okay, but uh, anyway, Ryan, I don't know. I was going there. No, I was just saying. You know, even though it's an established brand, it's one that I haven't heard of, and so it, you, you know, there's still an opportunity to grow it and you know, make it one of the mainstay, you know, staple like a deep Eddie was, you know, is now, you know, in the vodka game and whatnot. Heaven Hill can just put fuel gasoline on that fire to, you know, to keep it going. Yeah, I think you have to realize, you know, tequila, uh, tequila has as much of a community as bourbon, if not more. Uh, it crosses over in a few more cultures and it is uh, it's one that uh, you know, instead of like focusing on on the barrel, like you know we do in in bourbon, it really focuses on the agave and techniques and and there's uh you know there's a few brands that are just kind of like apex. Everybody wants like Fortaleza's, you know. Surely everyone's here's heard of that one, um, you know. But but tequila is a you know the the bartenders really really lead this movement. And and it's been a rough, rough couple of years for bartenders, obviously, with the pandemic. And all signs are pointing toward they're going to be back behind the bar very soon. And I think this is probably just an, a just one big overarching on premise strategy from Heaven Hill and trying to find a way to get more more shelf space, more connection with bartenders. And uh, I mean, it it's great. It. And I, I really, you know, I don't, don't sleep on Widow Jane. Uh, brand whiskey, like it's, you know, it's a French whiskey uh, that uh, Allison Patel started. She's an amazing human being. And she's been carrying the French whiskey category in the United States for, you know, 10 years. Uh, that is a that is a category that I just don't ever see really taking off because it's French whiskey. And no one wants French whiskey. They want uh, cognac, Armagnac and Calvados from France. But they, you know, if somebody does go to the bar and says, you know what, I want to try a French whiskey, it's going to be Bren. I mean, they, but right now, Heaven Hill owns the category of French whiskey for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a fascinating acquisition. 
And I'm glad you mentioned Widow Jane. I, I think, yeah, this is great for, I think it's a win-win on for that brand for both sides. I think for sure. Yeah, Lisa Wicker's talent, you know, that mm-hmm. they can, gosh, I'd love if she helped with the Parkers, you know, getting that going back again. And like, you know, just having her being, you know, in, involved in that, I think that would be great. And Imagine so, that talent in, inside the Heaven Hill building, you know, I mean, that right. could have been, a, that could have been a part of it. You know, when, uh, uh, when Pernod Ricard acquired, uh, Wild Turkey was in their their actual deal point memo that Jimmy Russell came with the deal, you know. So it's uh, a it, it could very well be uh, a way to get Lisa uh, into the fold on the whiskey side. And if Heaven Hill doesn't use her talents, then it'll be a huge disappointment um, from us all. Shame on them if they don't, for sure. Absolutely. Ryan did have a, a pretty good theory about. Widow Jane's access. You want to kind of share that one? I don't want to steal your thunder with it. Well, Kenny had sent me the link, and the first thing it went in my head, I was like, "Sweet, now, now Lisa gets to blend aged Heaven Hill stock, you know, instead of MGP or Dickle." So, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I'm excited about that. Hopefully, that happens. Yeah, they got they got some some more stuff at their disposal, but I think it's it's interesting to kind of see. Like I said, I'm glad to see that acquisitions are still on. We haven't heard. I mean, really, there's only been one major one per year. And I guess that happened in the second month of the year already. So it's it's kind of good to see that. And, and I got a question. Nobody here may know, but because they're both private, who's bigger, Heaven Hill or Sazerac? Mm, good question. Fr- from a total company perspective? Yeah, or? like just brand's perspective. Like, yeah, total. I would gonna, say Heaven Hill, but I don't yeah, know for I, sure. I would, I would put my money on that bet, too. I, I'm, going, I'm going with Heaven Hill. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the big wild card there is fireball i mean fireball's so big that it, it may put them over you know the top i mean it's it's close it's close but uh you know heaven hills heaven hills got deep eddie deep eddie's huge you know they have a hypnotic which is in all the oh yeah it, it, it's a lot of places and yeah i, I i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with heaven hill on that there we go don't take this as legal advice either. So this is just a bet. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if anybody chimes in from either company and uh, be like, oh, nope, it was us. It was us all along. It's Let's like a- open those books up. Hey, listen, if if uh, Bill Goldring and Mark Shapiro want to call me and show me their books for, uh, I'll be happy to sign an NDA and just tell the fellas here so we can know. <laughs> so if you're listening, happy to help out here. I don't want to look at your books. Just tell me at the end of the day. It's too, it's too complicated. We've been looking at... Taxes. It's it's already starting to get a tax season. I'm just like God. It's it's crushing my brain already. You know, let's not give. Uh, you're going to give Blake heart palpitations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? He's, he's probably getting excited over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, y'all want to talk accounting? Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Here we go. So the next one I want to talk about is is something that's going to be interesting, and I think it might only be interesting to maybe us and really big whiskey geeks out there and i kind of had this idea and i've been kind of floating it for a little bit and i I, i'm glad to kind of talk about it and that's really it spawned it because wes henderson he was the one that founded angels envy with his father and now his sons are in the business he has announced his retirement from angels envy now we take it this and we like okay cool well Wes is, uh, he's a face of the brand, but he might not be as well known to the general populace or anything like that. You take a look at something like Beam. Uh, Fred No has already said that he wants to retire very soon. And Freddie is very much already grooming to start moving in those footsteps. I mean, we can already see that sort of stuff happening. And so that family legacy, I feel, will continue to live on there. Uh, The wild card when I look at this is definitely going to be wild turkey because we know that Jimmy is is getting up there in age, and I feel that maybe Eddie is kind of sticking around and just for the purposes of being family and everything like that. But as soon as the time passes, I don't feel that Eddie's going to be a, a lifer at Wild Turkey. I think he's going to be content and kind of want to move on. And when I think about something like that, I think about the brand of Russell's and, and what that could do. But this isn't just about that per se. We can use those as examples. But I kind of want to talk about what happens when the face of a brand ends up leaving what could happen or how do companies sit there and and work around it on the angels envy side i don't think they're going to have much of a problem only because angels envy is such a large brand such a well-known brand that they haven't really had a a huge face of it that people if you go and ask somebody what their favorite bourbon is and they say angels envy and you go well technically that's not bourbon they're like they're not gonna know who wes henderson is anyway right but for us we all know that 
But when we take something like the Russells, I think it's in a little bit different situation. So I kind of want to put it out to you all, sort of, what do you feel what happens when a face of that brand leaves? Is it damage control? Is it getting rid of the label? Kind of talk about what you all think. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. What do you feel what happens when a face of that brand leaves? Is it damage control? Is it getting rid of the label? Kind of talk about what you all think. So I, I got a question for you, Kenny. Is this just research in case Ryan pieces out? Is that, is that what we're worried <laughs> yes, about here? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, is this field testing for uh, <laughs> when Ryan decides he's out? I got offers right yeah, now. Yeah, he's got, he's got offers. I'm trying to buy him out and push him out. You know, it's one, it's, it's, there's, we're coming at them all angles here. We're just trying to see what, what happens here. So I'll, I'll jump in a little bit. So, uh, you know, as the average consumer, I think kind of, or I think Kenny kind of hit on it. Um, you'd say it, it's not important, but I, I really do think it's important. So just going back to like the bourboner days of doing blog posts and everything, if somebody said, Hey, you, you know, Fred knows in town, do you want to go to a tasting with them? I'm like, Oh, absolutely. And, but if it's like, Hey, our area sales reps in town, do you want to go to a tasting? It's like, yeah, I think I'm busy. Like got, got things to do. So I, I think from just drawing attention from media and writers and distributors and retailers, because that's those guys main main well i won't say main thing but that's a big part of what they do is just you, you know on-site visits shaking hands with retailers talking to distributors doing dinner so i think it's a really important part of it to have that kind of legacy i mean the russell name is so big even the henderson name but you know i think it's something kyle could easily pop into because he has that name um but when somebody like that steps down like there's definitely a void to fill I think there is, but let's look at Four Roses as an example. I mean, they've they've carried on just fine. I think the average consumer just one they don't know and they don't care, right? Again, I think the whiskey world was on fire. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, nothing really happened. It ended up being okay for them. So and Brent's great too, though. So yeah, I think they had a, a good great individual. They had a good fallback so, plan, but yeah. But again, that was you know, I mean, it was just a path forward that shows brands will be okay when that takes place. It's not they didn't hedge their bets. Just to have everything crumble after you know eighty years. So, All right, Kenny, let Ryan go. Kenny, we just uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Ryan, Fred Ryan, goes. you up? Go ahead. No, Ryan. go ahead, Fred. I, I stole his recipe, so we don't need him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so first of all, let's just approach Wild Turkey for a second. The Russells are going to be there for as long as all of us live. I mean, there's always going to be a Russell there, and a Russell will always be the face of that brand. I have no doubts about that. You know, you have. Uh, Two in the wings waiting right now, uh, Bruce and Joanne. And are, are they Eddie and Jimmy? Well, hell, nobody is. But I also want to say that there are some bourbon figures that when they leave, they're still there. Um, Booker No is an example. But, you know, Booker No, you know, in my notes leading up to this, you know, I was put together some like historic names that continue to like, you know, shadow over the distillery and Booker is in the contemporary sense still very much everywhere every day at Jim Beam. His son Fred of course, you know, took over and became the face but is still Booker No. Booker No has a statue there and so I think that 
in, in bourbon, the right people live on uh, at the facility, at the distillery. Uh, when Pappy Van Winkle died in, in the early 1960s, his family uh, went behind the back of his, um, of his son to sell the shares of the family distillery, and they sold in 1972. And so I think, you know, the, with the case of Angel's Envy, they have already sold, you know, so that that would have been my very first uh, thought uh, is like, what's going to happen there? Uh, my second thought is, is Kyle Henderson, uh, Wes's son, has really be been becoming the face of it. And also, Wes Henderson is one of those entrepreneurs is that, you know, once he kind of gets settled, he starts getting fidgety. He wants to do something else. You know, that man has to do like 30 things. Uh, and I, I respect that. I'm a, I'm a lot like that. I mean, did you but, look at the end of his his sort of Instagram thing where he, he said he, he said kind of moving on to the next thing? It wasn't kind of like this is it for me. Yeah, it, he left it very open. Yeah, he's he's not uh, he's still going to be in the business somewhere. And if it, and if you know once his non competes up, I'm sure he'll be either snatched up or have a uh, have a mess of investors in the wings ready to start something. You know, because he's still young. Oh, uh, as business goes. And um, I, I just I, I just think that the there are brands, there are brands that have fallen off uh, once someone, the founder left. Kentucky Owl is a really good example. Uh, when Dixon Deadman left, I mean, I can't tell you what Kentucky Owl has done in a positive sense. You know, they came out with some diagrams and stuff that they're going to build like the Disney world of uh, bourbon. But you know, I mean, they they got uh, they've got some new leadership and that's great talent. But when Dixon left, you know, that kind of, you know, that popped the balloon of that uh, of that brand. So there's a lot more equity in Angel's Envy uh, than that. But I, I just think that it's really, really dependent upon the situation from a business perspective more than anything when it comes to the face of a brand leaving. I mean, do you think it could be more maybe about the size of the brand that could have the influence? Because you think about what Kentucky Owl was yeah. when it was taken over. What I think he had released six batches of a Kentucky Owl when he was acquired, like very, very nominal in the sense of what a bourbon release should probably be. It wasn't very big, not to try and, uh, you know, lay down or, or like say it's not bigger or not great or anything. It really is. But you look at that versus what Angel's Envy did when they were acquired by Bacardi, completely two different levels on the spectrum of where mm -hmm. your national footprint is and, and, and everything like that too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's absolutely right. And, you know, when Stoli acquired Kentucky Al Dixon came over in the deal and, um, and, and, you know, they just, they were not a, an American whiskey company and it showed. And, you know, Dixon hung on and did his thing and he left for his own reasons. But it was obvious to me that it was it was not a good fit. And when he left, the soul of the brand left. And so, like, they're putting stuff up on the shelf and they don't have anyone to out there promote it and talk about it. You know, I mean, it's just they don't have that. And that hurts it. And that's why you see, like, uh, the wise man sitting on shelves you know is the whiskey good i mean man i mean it's meh but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for letting us know how you really feel <laughs> that one's not going to go up to nine hundred dollars a bottle after this. <laughs> <laughs> cecil I, I didn't mean to interrupt you earlier what were you about to bring up no i was I, I just kind of piggyback on everything that everyone said i think to appeal to whiskey geeks you have to have that person connected to a brand and if you want that to live on forever you create a brand around them you know you like fred fred was talking about brands that have been you know that still live on like bookers you know even at buffalo trace they have elmer t lee or blanton's and so if you want that person to be part of you know your brand forever it's like go ahead and create you know in which the russells have done you know but to average consumers i nobody knows who the russells are no if it, not offense they don't know who fred no is or booker no they may know Booker no, but um, that, that just an average drinker is just not going to care about that. And so that's as a company, you can't make it bigger. You can't make an individual bigger than the brand. And because it's just so much bigger. And Four Roses has done that 
you know, they haven't named, they have one release, you know, the Al Young edition, but everything hasn't been around a person. It's been more, well, they did have a Brent Elliott when he came out, but most of them are four roses and that's, you know, their thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you want to connect to people, having a person attached to it and, and I think you can always be grooming and having somebody transition that over and, I don't know that necessarily has to be in the, the family. If that brand stays, say like Russell's, for instance, say, you know, for whatever reason, Bruce is like, you know what, I'm going to move on, going to do my own thing. But somebody else comes in it that, that there's so much history, you know, with the Russell, I think it could continue to live on um, without them. But uh, as long as the whiskey's good, you know. Yeah, you make a good point there. And I also want to give a shout out to DJ and Rayburn or one on the chat and as well as Matt Cusick. They're kind of going back and forth talking about Maker's Mark and the Samuels. And is the Samuels the face of the Maker's Mark brand? Or, you know, you've got Denny Potter there as well. And do these people matter? Like if they weren't there? I think there is there is a good contention and good argument to be, be able to made there. Uh, there's one thing I also want to touch on when we talk about these large brands versus small brands and essentially what it means to have equity in a company and what does it mean for you to be there? So if we look at something like Angel's Envy, where it was Wes and he built this thing and he sold it to Bacardi, you know, he might still have a little bit of equity in Angel's Envy after selling it or he's cashed out and everything like that. And so he's kind of ready to move on. I think it's a little bit different situation. Like I understand we have this this fascination with the Russells and the brand of Wild Turkey and having these names connected to it. But let's not get it twisted that this is a this is a salary job for most people. Like they don't have equity in the company. Like they're not there to make the company happy. They're there to get a paycheck. And they could leave tomorrow. Like Eddie could leave tomorrow and just go start his own consulting gig. It's either that he doesn't want to disappoint his dad or he's getting paid too much and there's no point for him to leave. And so there is this this idea that if you want to kind of keep this going, you know, you might want to have some sort of equity in the company that wants to keep you there. And I think that's the thing that might be getting lost. Um, I understand you know, your, your family, your brand, you're knowing about it, but maybe that's just leverage when it comes to negotiations on what your salary is going to be, because it's not like you own a percentage of it at the end of the day. You know, what's interesting. Um, something that I learned, uh, with the, with the bullet debacle with, um, Tom and Hollis bullet was that, he was getting paid a royalty for the use of his name. So there are, there are avenues of that. These, these people in these, in these positions get beyond like a, uh, beyond equity. Uh, now Tom bullet negotiated that he's a very intelligent tax attorney. And you got to remember he was early in the acquisition stage of any of these brands too. So he might've had leverage before anybody else. So that's true. Uh, so, you know, what's interesting is like, there's, there's a lot of ways I, I can't imagine, you know, the Russell's not getting something for having their name on the bottle. Like, I mean, if, like if yeah, they, did, they didn't if negotiate that. That was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, that, their attorneys needs to be fired. That that would be my first, uh, you know, thing of business with firing that attorney. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of lot of things uh, to get here, and the you know, a very a very interesting point is is Denny Potter. Denny Potter is has moved around uh, multiple facilities. He was at. Uh, he was a makers at first and he was at cruise and rum and then heaven ill and then makers again and makers is really a, is their face is the red dripping wax you know the samuels come up with stories from time to time but uh, their face is the wax that's their brand and they have went through in my career they've been through five distillers you know and in, in 16 years so that's <laughs> The master distiller there almost doesn't even matter for, <laughs> for Maker's Mark. And I think going back to, you know, just to reminding folks that Kenny said that this is this is a job, unless you have equity, this is a job, right? And I think a more recent, another recent example is Marianne Eves. So, you know, Brown Foreman and Woodford really decided to make her the face to really start promoting her and, and a better opportunity came up at Castle and Key and then she moved on from that and she's doing her own thing. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I think people get so caught up with Oh well, you know they they really need to carry this on or need to be loyal. It's just like everyone on this round table and and everyone out there. It's a job. Like at the end of the day, this is what you're doing to make a living and put food on the table. So when, when better opportunities afford themselves, most people will take them. End of story. Good point. Good point. Very wholesome. Very good way to kind of end that. <laughs> but I do want to bring up one last topic before we end this, 
And that's kind of a fun one here. So over the past pandemic that is still kind of tailing its way through here, every single distillery across Kentucky has been pumping money and making their visitor experience bigger and better than ever. So we've talked about it in the roundtable before, and it might have been uh, 60 roundtables ago when we probably talked about it, but I kind of want to bring this up again because there has been a huge surge of these updates in the distilleries. Now I want to ask you all, what is your top place that you would recommend visitors to go to if they're going to start visiting the Bourbon Trail? What are you looking for? Food, distillery, anything? I was going to say, I mean, it's like literally, literally anything, they, they all have something. Yeah, they all like, have something different. Yeah. So they're they're all very different. I'll just pick one and I'll kick it off. Um, and I recommend this to friends all the time. If you're only going to be able to do one distillery visit, it's not even on the official Bourbon Trail. Go to Buffalo Trace. I, I think what they've done with just their visitor experience is fantastic. Their visitor center is huge now after the renovation, and um. It's a free tour on top of that, right? Unless you pay for one of their more advanced ones. It's just a great facility and they run it really well. And I think you get a little bit of that, a little bit of everything in there. Really good tour, really good experience. You get to taste stuff. It's nicely done. Um, and that's always my number one go-to. I mean, there's a long list behind that, but when there's just one, it's Buffalo Trace. Brian Brian Harrow would, would be very disappointed in us if, <laughs> if I didn't put, point this out. Make, make sure you put the asterisk here. Yeah. So... Uh, Jordan, great recommendation for a distillery visit. The Kentucky Bourbon Trail is a registered trademark of the Kentucky <laughs> Distillers Association. In 2009, Buffalo Trace and uh, the KDA sued each other over Buffalo Trace leaving the KDA and using uh, the uh, Bourbon Trail and their marketing. Well, that's, that's all water under the, the bridge. That's why I said they're not on the official Bourbon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Put that. But it's, but it's like, seriously, that is like, I used to cover that and write about it all the time. And as I was like beating a dead horse. I don't like talking about that anymore. But anyway, uh, so, you know, I, I love I love going outside of the norms. And I like to get people out to Western Kentucky to MB Roland. It is it's a very, 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 very different experience. And you get to see an old Amish farm. That was, you know, a former dairy dairy farm. And, you know, the owners will be there and they'll show you around. I like I like going to the smaller places a lot. The big the bigger ones, if I'm having to choose a bigger distillery, it's probably Maker's Mark just because it's so damn beautiful. It is. Did they do any renovations or anything like that in the past few years? I haven't heard of much oh, of they've been dumping into it. I, I'm makers? sure they have. Everybody has. But Maker's? Yeah, oh, makers yeah. Has. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they just did another one that was... uh like they like get some kind of special certification for the environment, you know? So I yeah. think they'll be announcing that soon. Uh, the B Corp. They've already announced that one. They do it. Yeah. 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 They've, they've had that. Yeah. So, so my answer is going to be a little more long winded. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, you, I, I think you need to do a little bit of both. So I, I love, you, you know, Fred's, um, Fred's suggestion on MB Roland. They're doing fantastic stuff. Uh, Jordan's is great. Hit Buffalo Trace and then bounce over to maybe Castle and Key. So you see a little bit of both sides of, you, you know, you walk through Buffalo Trace and it's a manufacturing plant of alcohol. It, it's an impressive situation. They do have a little bit of everything. They've got history. They've got tastings. They've got all that. But then it's just cool to go and see it on a smaller scale. Other big suggestion is just make a Bardstown day because I think you can do all of that there. I, I'm not sure I've been to you know, Kentucky in the last couple of years without hitting Bardstown Bourbon Company just because it's like, hey, do you just want to stop for lunch? Do you want to stop and do a tour? Do you want to do a tasting? Uh, then you can bounce to Willett, Heaven Hill, and you kind of get a little bit of everything. So that's my small or uh, rambling of like, you, you got to get a little bit of everything, right? You want to see how the big guys do it. You want to see how the small guys do it. And I kind of compare it to, to wine a little bit, but yeah. I like how I said, choose one. And you're like, well, I'll choose 50 and we'll start there. <laughs> I like how you said one. I'm going to take that suggestion and improve upon it. So thank you, Kenny. Yeah. I'll right, do the same thing. I mean, well, yeah. Uh, food before, and 
before you start there, I, I do want to just recommend and, and just echo Blake's sentiment. I am a, I'm a big fan of Castle and Key. I understand that's probably one thing that's probably not on a lot of people's radar. If you are just the average person that you're, hey, let's go to Kentucky and go do a distillery tour. But for the whiskey geek community and people who really want to walk through history and you really yeah. want to see the castle and see what E.H. Taylor built, it's a fascinating sort of thing to just go and be there, stand in the grounds and kind of just look around and like just kind of take back a few decades and, and kind of just really drink it all in. It's definitely one of those things that if you've never done it before for a true whiskey geek, you should definitely go check it out. And yeah. for the Revolutionary War history buffs, uh, there's a, revolu- a soldier buried right across the street, and uh, it's uh, it, it's well kept. It's it's an interesting site to visit as well. And it's right down the street from Woodford, so you can kill two birds with one right. stone too. Mm-hmm. You're in quintessential uh, horse country right there, quintessential yeah, Kentucky. It, everything it's gorgeous. Yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna me just because I like food and cocktails. Will it is gonna be. You know, you, you got to, if you haven't been there, it's the best food in the state for, to me. Um, and then far as a distiller experience, either Barstown Bourbon Company or Castle and Key are the two, my two favorites right now. Cause you just, Castle and Key is a beautiful integration of history and modern. Uh, they did a beautiful job of designing that. Um, it's a walk through history, but it's also modernized and the, the grounds are just I love gardens. I love plants. And it's just like a day. You can spend a day there just walking around. Yeah. And Barson Bourbon Company, they're so hospitable and it, their, their food's great. The cocktails are good. Um, those would be my top three right now. I know you said one, but <laughs> I can just sit down from Blake's. It's all right. Everybody does a little something. All right. I'll do a little something as well. And I guess I'll choose two because everybody else chose two. So might as well let me do two. Um, so first, I think is one that has, it's not because it's a, a you know, pre-pandemic thing or anything like that it came out you know it was before then but it was definitely before we had had this conversation years ago and it's just now it's available and we always encourage people to do it so if you're staying in louisville is to definitely go and do old forester it is definitely one of the most compact and full featured tours that you're going to experience i don't know where else you're going to be able to see everything from distillation to bottling to coopering all in like 5,000 square feet. Like, I don't know how they cram it all in there. It's probably bigger than 5,000, but I'm just saying there is, there's a lot to, to experience there. And it's definitely one of those cool things that if you're staying downtown, that's definitely one of the things that I would say you do hit. One of the greatest things that I like on the food side was that really surprised me was the new restaurant at Jim Beam. So if you had an opportunity to go and check that out, I would definitely put that towards the top of the list. I think it's, you kind of, I think the the bad thing about Jim Beam is because it's like situated in the middle of, gosh, it's like it's like you're coming off 64 and you hit Jim Beam, and then it's like you got to go another 35 minutes or so to get to Bardstown. So it's kind of like this little like stop in the middle of the road. So it's, you got to try to really plan it properly, especially if you're going to eat and try to figure out what you're going to do before or afterwards. But I was really impressed with. Uh, the food as well as the view. One of the what, yeah. top 10, maybe top 10, probably top two views that you're going to see in bourbon country is being able to go on their patio and just look out across the hills and the warehouses and see all that. Uh, you know, the the other great view that you're going to see is, of course, if you're selecting a barrel at Wild Turkey and you kind of get to go down there at the bottom of the hill and kind of look over the bridge and see all that sort of stuff too. So there's definitely uh, a few there that are our top of my list, but I'll, yeah, I'll really get 10 more you can name. So you <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'll uh, really good choice. And I think it's important to remind folks, especially if you've been to Kentucky before, but it's been a, it's been a few years, especially if it's been since pandemic bourbon, super hot. And you actually now need to make reservations for tours. I think a lot of folks who used to go in the past and just show up and be like, Oh, I can do a tour. Okay. No problem. You got to make that, you know, a few weeks in advance, depending on where you want to go, when you want to go. So keep that in mind. If you're going, definitely go explore all these recommendations, but make sure you're able to get in. And none of us can no longer get you access <laughs> to those tours. No, all you got to do is DM Kenny and he'll <laughs> yeah. set the please whole thing don't. up. <laughs> please don't. I can't tell you people are like, hey, can you kind of get me on a tour? I'm like, I cannot. No. <laughs> We're <laughs> not pulling those strings for you, I promise. I mean, yeah. We don't know the tour guides, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's one of those things that we definitely get hit up a lot about. Hey, uh, I'm just coming in town. You think you can hook me up? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know anybody that can get you on a tour. Like that's not going to happen. 
Um, you know, and, and Jordan, you kind of said echo that comment too about making sure that you book a tour online. Yes, it is imperative. And I don't know, I don't think it's a, it's not a staffing issue anymore. It's mm-hmm. literally, the, and it's not even a COVID thing where they try to separate people. It's literally, that's how popular these things are that you just can't show up anymore. You have to book it well in advance if, if you want to sort of make that happen. I mean, so. Buffalo Trace had oof, over 350,000 people last year in 2021. They're hitting over 2,000 people a day at some points. I mean, it's it's bonkers. You should wait wait for the tour secondary market just really explode before you know it. <laughs> there be NFTs. For those. Oh, I was going to uh, say NFTs. <laughs> uh, I actually did go to Buffalo Trace last weekend to go and select a barrel, and they have changed their game. Like you go in and you have to have a wristband to get into the gift shop and walk around, and they're now also trans or transforming one of the original buildings that's in the parking lot into the first stop of the guest experience. And that's where you get your first wristband before you can go to anywhere else. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a new Disneyland experience there soon. I was just disappointed. Buffalo trace. They didn't put like a cocktail lounge or anything there to hang that's out. True. That's I don't, I didn't understand that move or non move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. It would have, but let's go ahead. We'll wrap it up as a, another great bourbon community roundtable. We hit on a lot of good topics, but of course, before we always end it, I want to let our guests here, their regulars, besides Blake, <laughs> to give a, an outro. And I, battery died. I say that because it could have been perfect timing as we were as we were ending. He literally just disappeared off the stream. So Blake from Sealbox, we had a good time with you. But Jordan, I'll let you go. Sure. Jordan from Breaking Bourbon. Uh, find us for all of your reviews and in bourbon needs. Now he comes back. Uh, there you go, Blake. We'll let you go ahead and do an outro now. We, we, I did well, one for you, but we, we'll let it you wasn't do it an official. Internet. It was just a bad click. But I'm uh, Blake from Burger <laughs> and Sealbox. You got Thank some pop ups we need to know about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was trying to look up something really quick. I'll save for after the show. But yeah, so thank you all for having me. It's always fun. Is this the first? No, this is our second one in 2022. We did have one in January, didn't we? So. Always good to be back. Always fun. So it is February. I, uh, it is February. So appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. And this is again, it's a fun one. We'll be back here again in another month, bringing on a new set of topics. But make sure you go follow these guys, follow Bourbon Pursuit, wherever you get your socials. Of course, follow our buddy Fred Minnick. And make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Share it with a friend, write a review, tell everybody hello when you see them and talk bourbon. Say, hey, you gotta you gotta check out these guys on Bourbon Pursuit. But with that, cheers everybody. We'll see you next week.